sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome in to Cover It with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, we're going to get to hang out with Drew Martin at Drew Martin Bets on Twitter, talking MLB with Drew. And we're going to get to a bunch of stuff, talking about surprise teams, some undervalued and overvalued starting pitchers, some lineups that are primed to produce, some bullpens that are primed to fall apart. Drew and I will get in to some serious MLB discussion. And if we have time, we'll talk a little bit about the NFL schedule, which just came out on Thursday night. That's what I'm going to open the show with. And just so you know, yeah, there's lots of basketball, there's lots of hockey, there's lots of MLB. I'm going to talk football over the summer. You know, there's going to be football on just about every show that I do. If I can, and there's always something to talk about this time of year, right now, the thing to talk about is we've got lines. Week one lines, full season lines, on and on across the board. Heck, we have a line for the Hall of Fame game, Thursday, August 4th. Las Vegas Raiders, minus one and a half, 33 and a half against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But let's go through some of these week one opening numbers. Talk about where they are and where they might end up being by the time kickoff rolls around. Lots of respect for the Buffalo Bills uh, for that Thursday night opener. Uh, in the NFL, the Bills at the Rams, certainly the marquee game uh, of the week. L.A. minus one, total of 52. I have to think at some point we're going to see some money for the Rams in this home opener. Certainly the teams that have the home openers on Thursday night have done fairly well over the years. And while Buffalo right now is being regarded as the single best team in the NFL in the offseason betting marketplace, I have to think the defending champs are going to get a little bit of love between now and September. If you're like the Rams, minus one now is not a bad idea. That line's not likely to go a whole lot lower. Of course, you don't have to do it today. (laughs) But these lines can and will trickle around over the course of the next month or so. I mean, July is really the dead month for the NFL. The lines will move uh, throughout May and even into June. Um, July tends to be quiet, and then August, everything starts to pick up. Uh, Again, let's talk a little bit more about this NFL Week 1 opening schedule. I'm just going to run through the games and the openers where they are right now. And again, any individual book may have posted numbers that are slightly different. But I'm looking at uh, a mature, (laughs) already a mature uh, odd screen for Week 1 of the NFL. So I'm going to give you kind of consensus numbers uh, as opposed to any individual Sportsbook numbers. They got the Ravens minus four and a half slash minus five against the Jets. Total of 45 in that ball game. And, you know, Baltimore is going to be a hot team in the uh, in the marketplace. You can count on it. The Ravens uh, underachieved last year. The market's going to like what they did this past offseason. They liked what the Jets did, but the Jets are coming from a much weaker place uh, than the Ravens. I don't see that number moving a whole lot right now. Not one of these that you got to get down on. The first couple of days after these lines open, we have the Saints, three and a half, 42 at Atlanta. Another road favorite, Baltimore and New Orleans, both road chalk. Miami, minus three at home against New England. A little bit of respect for the Dolphins in that opening number. I'm seeing Cleveland, 
Road favorites, minus four and a half. They don't even know who the quarterback's going to be, but they know Carolina's going to be bad. <laughs> Panthers, four and a half point home dogs. Total, we'll call it 43 and a half right now between the Panthers and Browns on opening day of the NFL season. The Bengals, six and a half uh, over the Steelers. Total of 44 and a half. I would not be surprised at all if that number moves up uh, a little bit. We'll see what Pittsburgh's quarterback situation looks like, but the schedule release didn't do the Steelers any favors. They have a brutal first, what, 12 weeks, 13 weeks of the season. Eases up a little bit down the stretch, but Pittsburgh's, <laughs> they've got a tough go of it early, especially with QB questions. I see the 49ers, minus six, six and a half, mostly six and a halfs. Total of 42, road favorites at Chicago, so we're road favorites all over the place. Phillies, road favorites at Detroit, minus four in that game, total of 46 and a half. I'm already seeing signs that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be a wise guy choice this NFL season. I really am. There's a lot of buzz in Vegas for Philadelphia right now. Can Jalen Hurts play? We'll find out. Meanwhile, the Eagles are four-point favorites on the road. I wouldn't be surprised if Detroit gets a little bit of love from some of the sharp guys. Um, But at the same time, Philly is a hot team here in Vegas, at least right now. Road favorites are the theme. Indy, minus 7.5 slash minus 8. At Houston, total of 44. Texans don't look a whole lot better on paper this year than they did last year. Washington, the Commanders, minus 3.5, minus 4 at home against the Jaguars. Total of 44 in that ballgame. We've got the Chiefs, minus 3, total of 53 on the road at Arizona. We've seen a little bit of under money in that contest. It was as high as 54 at the open. Markets saying maybe KC won't be quite as explosive to open the season without Tyreek Hill. The Raiders travel to face the Chargers in L.A. Right now I'm seeing the Chargers minus four, 51 and a half for the opener. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some Chargers money between now and kickoff. The Packers, road favorites, minus one and a half, minus two at Minnesota. I'm not sure Minnesota is going to be a team people are excited about. And to close it out, the Titans, six and a half, 44 against the Giants. The Buccaneers, road favorites in Dallas, minus 2.5, 52. And the Broncos, minus 3.5, slash minus 4 at Seattle. Total there, 41 or 41.5. There's your week one openers and a couple of thoughts about where those lines might move. Drew Martin talking MLB after this brief commercial message. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Teddy Covers here on Cover It with Teddy Covers. And let's bring in today's guest, Drew Martin, at Drew Martin Bets on Twitter. We're going to talk some MLB. Drew, welcome to the program. How are you doing today? Teddy Covers. I'm doing good, man. Just enjoying a little, uh, uh, you know, baseball season here. We got a lot going on at Sports Betters. It's a fun time, man. And uh, always fun to be breaking down a little sports betting action with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a role reversal. Normally, you're the host and I'm the guest. You know, we do a show every week uh, called the Opening a Line Report. You can find it on YouTube, uh, Wager Talk TV. Uh, and Drew and I do a guest each uh, show every Monday, uh, 10 a.m. It goes live uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Monday mornings 
here in Las Vegas. We try to look at the following week's NFL numbers and project where they're going to move. And usually, Drew, you're sitting in the host chair and asking me the questions. Today, I get to sit in the host chair and ask you the question. I'm going to start with this because I, I love your superhero origin story. I really do. Okay, because you're a guy who was in the financial world, and you're like, yeah, I don't like working for the <laughs> in the financial world. I like the sports betting world better. Uh, so I guess I'll open the show by saying, who is Drew Martin, and why should anyone give a hoot as to what you have to say about sports betting? Sure. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a little bit of my past there, and uh, I'll tell you this, like, like, it wasn't that I didn't like it. You know, I mean, J.P. Morgan was great. You know, the check's always cash. You had the 401K, the health benefits. There's a lot of pluses <laughs> in life to leading that lifestyle. I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there uh, kind of chose that that route in life. And, and I applaud it because there's a lot of pluses to that. The only thing with me is I loved it. I still do the stock market. You know, uh, sometimes, well, actually, as we're talking right now, we're in a bear market right now, so losing uh, definitely some money for sure. But um, it, it was one of those things where, you know, the the guy in the corner office, my boss would leave, and then sure enough, you know, it's not like I would bump out early, but I would just leave 15 minutes later. And, it, you know, it was things like that, and I just noticed it with myself that I didn't, Love it. And I'm the kind of guy, you know, where some people would say I have addiction issues, but really I just like to to do what I love to do. And I knew that I had to do something that made it, made me, you know, get up and love what I do each and every day. And that was sports betting, man. Uh, I, I, you know, I can remember being in the JP Morgan office and listening to, to like your old uh, college basketball or college football, every game on the board podcast, taking notes and betting into the games on Saturday. That's kind of how I got introduced to sports betting and like, Hey, this could be a real job in this industry. And then, um, yeah, just pretty much made the switch one day and sure enough, t took a pay cut, but now it's kind of paying off because you learn things from doing this year in, year out. And I, you know, I don't want to hide from it. My first couple of years, I was a losing sports better, but you know, everyone is <laughs> right. Right. I, well, you wouldn't know that from just hearing people talk in the industry, you know, it's, sure. I win this, I win that. But you know, the truth is I was a losing sports better and I still am a losing sports better in like NBA and things of that nature. But truth is I shy away from that. I don't bet a lot of NBA and I stick to what I know. And that's one of the things I've learned, you know, college football, college basketball, major league baseball. That's kind of where, my, my, my bread is buttered, Teddy. So I've kind of learned to just kind of stick to what I know. And, you know, one other thing I'll throw in there is I've kind of learned a little bit more not how to lose. Not as much how to win, but not how to lose, if you know what I mean. I know exactly what you mean. And, and so you, you made a couple of points that I want to touch on here. Um, number one is that you talked about how the, the fact that there are lots of sports to this day that you don't beat and you don't bet. You've specialized in a handful of sports that you pay attention to and that you've shown the ability to beat. And if there's one piece of advice for betters out there, like only listen to one piece of advice, that would be my piece of advice is specialize in something. Focus on something. Don't try to beat every sport all year round. You can't do it. Um, the other thing that you talked about that I think is important 
to at least touch on here. You talked about addiction issues. And certainly, that's something I don't do enough on my show is talk about some of the mental health concerns, some of the challenges that people face in uh, whether they do this for a living or whether they do this uh, as a hobby. You know, recreational betters versus professional betters. But the bottom line for anybody is if you're having addiction issues, what you do is you get help. If sports betting isn't enjoyable, if you can't watch a game without betting on it, there's help out there. And I know a couple of recovering gambling addicts, and they like it a whole lot better on this side. So if you have addiction issues with gambling, get some help. Turn off the radio and do that. Uh, uh, it's a bigger issue. Anything you want to add to that? Um, I mean, one, I second what you're saying. Absolutely. There's a lot of help. That's one of the benefits of being in 2022 is getting uh, help for, for any type of, uh, of thing like that. And I also want to second, you know, I, I kind of said that um, uh, maybe, maybe a little tongue in cheek. And, and I'm not going to say that I'm perfect by any means, Teddy, but at the same time, as I've as I'm on the, I guess you could say, wrong side of 30, um, I, I, I didn't mean it so much like I'm partying each night. It was just more like um, when, I, when I really like something, I really like to do it. And gambling is one of the things I really like. So, like, for like my personal life, like, sometimes my girlfriend will, will come home and be like, oh, my gosh, you're still working at, like, 11 p.m.? And I'm like, well, yeah, like. <laughs> I guess you could call it "quote unquote" working, but yeah. So I meant it more like that. But um, yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, because actually speaking specifically about our industry, being in Las Vegas, you know, wherever I've been, Costa Rica, it does seem to be correlated. Guys that like to gamble also like to do uh, some other things that might not be as good in that type of world. So you kind of got to watch that and pump the brakes if it's becoming a big problem in your lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's not like someone that, you know, oh, you can't ever have a drink, you can't ever smoke a joint, whatever it is you want to do. The issue is if you can't, if, if, if you're doing it every day. Um, now, I've been gambling pretty much every day for the last 25 years, um, and yet I have no problems watching a game without a bet, uh, and I don't make bets unless I think I have an edge. So uh, from an addiction standpoint, I think I'm in reasonable shape, although uh, I don't know what the experts would say. <laughs> Nonetheless, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. No, that's funny, yeah. man. And it, it was just one thing to add, because it's not only about, like, addiction. I, I, I noticed in my younger days, when I was drinking and betting on games, like, I couldn't process the information as much to help, like, the next week. You know what I mean? If you spend your whole day Saturday just, like, you know, hammered, that's going to hurt you the next Saturday because you're not going to be able to bet on the information that you were supposed to be watching. So that's kind of another, like, subplot to the whole thing we're kind of talking about, you know? Sure, and, and, and there's so much to be gained, so much to be gained from watching and learning and listening, you know? Um, and that's, I mean, you and I are both watchers. And I know a lot of wise guys aren't. A lot of wise guys, you know, a lot of the pro betters, the TV never goes on. And it's all statistical formulas and statistical breakdowns and so on and so forth. Um, I think there's a lot to be gained from from watching. Go on. Yeah, I got something there. And and I know I'm not – let me know if we have a break coming up. But We're good. You got a minute. Okay. I I just want to throw out because it's very important. I think it's sport-specific. You know, a sport like football where there's 11 simultaneous matchups happening, each with different kind of variants on the outcome of the play – I think it's very important to watch, and especially with legalized betting becoming more prevalent and the odds and the statistics so available out there to the market makers, I think football is 
of the utmost importance to watch, man. Baseball can do it a little bit more analytically, but I think it also helps to watch. Yeah, and in basketball, I'm very much an NBA watcher. You know, not just for in-game betting, uh, but for full-game betting and for trying to gauge does this team offer value right now or are they an overvalued commodity? And, and sometimes when you're watching every night, you get a pretty good sense. You know, I, I probably watch too much NBA, but my wife's into it, so she, she, she lets me watch. You know, Kara likes to root with me. Uh, you know, she helps uh, bring some of the game home, so that's uh, always fun, too. Uh, too. Drew, we haven't even talked MLB yet. We have a bunch of baseball discussion. Biggest surprise team, starting pitches we can make money with, lineups primed to hit, bullpens primed to fall apart. Stay tuned. Cover it continues after this brief commercial message. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're on your TV. We're on your radio. We're on your phone. Just go to Twitter and give us a follow. At SportsGrid and at SportsGrid TV and stay on the grid everywhere you go. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. You can follow today's guest on Twitter at Drew Martin Betts. At Drew Martin Betts on Twitter. And Drew, we talked about addiction. We talked about your superhero origin story. Let's talk some baseball. All right. <laughs> Here we are. We're a little bit more than a month into the season. What's the biggest surprise team or teams for you in MLB this season? Give me one or two to the positive and one or two to the negative that stand out to you in early season MLB action as not being better or worse than what you expected. Um, I guess we could start with like some of the more obvious ones. Uh, the New York Yankees, 23-8. and eight. I mean, I looked at that lineup, and I, just, I saw a lot of station to station. I'm talking before opening day. Meaning, like, not a lot of guys that are going to be moving around. They were going to have to hit home runs in order to score. And sure enough, I mean, they doubled up their opponents. I believe, what, coming into maybe Thursday's action, it was 40 home runs and only giving up 20 home runs. And when you're able to do that in today's baseball, uh, you're going to win some games. And it's showing up there for the Yanks. They're also 14-4 and four at home, so positive money there for the Yankees. Another positive, uh, of course, the Houston Astros. I think a lot of people saw that coming. What about the New York Mets? New York is really playing some good baseball here, both the Yankees and the Mets. Mets leading the East. I'm not so sure I would have projected that at the beginning of the season either. And they're the only team over 500 in the NL East. So if they're able to run out here a few more games, you know, up to 10 games over over the defending uh, World Series champs, the Braves, you know, the Marlins with that pitching staff, Philadelphia coming on a little bit. But still, if the Mets can go run out and hide, uh, they're gonna they're gonna look pretty into the uh, expanded playoffs. So I would throw the two New York teams out there. Another team kind of off the radar. I haven't heard a lot of people talk about. What about the Colorado Rockies? They're also over 500, 16 and five, 11 and five at home. We know about the Rockies' home road splits. Anytime the Rockies are at home, getting a plus price or not having to lay a huge minus price. Something I had circled coming into the season, not as much of a surprise to me, but I think the market is a little bit surprised by it, is the DH really helping the Rockies here. They, they, they've kind of uh, 
you know, just the offensive help that that gives. And uh, sure enough, the Rockies there a mile high. They're playing some pretty decent baseball in a really difficult division. It will be interesting to see if they can kind of hang around this 500 mark. But if you needed kind of an off-the-radar team that has uh, played some good baseball, I would circle the Colorado Rockies. So I'm going to give you three surprise teams. I don't think any of them are going to hold up. But if you ask me who I'm shocked by, they're all teams around 500. Arizona was supposed to be god-awful, all right? And Arizona is 17-15, and 15, the single most profitable team in baseball heading into the weekend, all right? They're not god-awful, or maybe they are, but they're stealing a bunch of cheap wins. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I mean, you, you watch them, you can't figure out how the heck they're doing it. Um, Arizona, to me, is, is the, the biggest surprise. Um, and then Baltimore and Cleveland. You know, Cleveland, especially the Guardians, are another team that are supposed to be Bottom of the barrel. There's nothing alike. We don't like the pitching. We don't like the hitting. Cleveland's playing 500 ball. They've been profitable. Baltimore is sub 500, but they've been profitable because the Orioles are a team that's, you know, plus $2 more often than not, it seems. Uh, Profitable straight up. uh, Profitable on the run line, in particular at home. Uh, Baltimore has been pretty good. So those are three teams that have surprised me. And I don't know if any of those three teams can sustain it. Uh, Out of those three, Anyone stand out to you as one that could sustain this type of start? Or do you think Arizona, Baltimore, and Cleveland are all going to drop off uh, as the weather warms up? I do think Arizona is going to drop off, but that might be the stubbornness in me, Teddy. I did bet their season win total towards the under. So I've kind of stayed away from them just because my read was real bad on them. We'll see how they do in that uh, that NL West. But I, I kind of lean with your uh, – your assessment that they might be stealing more wins rather than playing that great of baseball. Cause what I've seen, you know, their lineup just isn't all that great. And I know they're pitching. They have that new pitching coach and there's something to that. But uh, at the same time, I'd be surprised if, if they hold up the one that you, that I have circled out of the teams you brought up is the Baltimore Orioles. Um, really good. I mean, I, 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 let me say really surprising, you know, another tough division here, but also just kind of fundamentally structural change with their stadium. You know, they moved the fence back 26 and a half feet and raised it as well. And sure enough, the Baltimore Orioles are nine and 21 to the under. So they've been huge under trenders. That's something that I've kind of circled here. They're getting better pitching. They're hitting the ball better, but uh, they're staying under the total, particularly at home, Teddy. I'd be surprised if Baltimore kind of stays up there, but at the same time, I'm, I'm optimistic because I, I, I really don't think they can stay in the cellar forever. You know, they're getting all these good draft picks. At some point, these guys are going to get to MLB and start producing. We might be starting to see that this season. So maybe it's kind of like a next year thing where Baltimore really makes that jump. But so far this year, you're right, Teddy. They have been a surprise and a profitable team out the gate. And, of course, they're not in last place. It's the Red Sox who were the last place team in the AL East. 12 games behind the Yankees going into the weekend. Worth noting, for some of these surprise teams, you talked about the Rockies, one-run games, Colorado 5-0 and in one-run games. Um, Arizona 7-3 and in one-run games. And those numbers tend to go back to 500 as the season progresses. Not always the case. Some teams end up having a great year when it comes to one-run games. Other teams like the Miami Marlins, <laughs> not so much. Uh, but both Colorado and Arizona have done very well in the close games early on. Any negative teams stand out to you? Any teams that have underachieved that you think have potential moving forward? Um, I know for me, the White Sox stand out. Although, 
I mean, when you listen to Tony La Russa and you say, you know, that guy is driving this machine, it's hard for me to get enthusiastic about Chicago, but their team is kind of underachieved early. I think Seattle, another team that's kind of underachieved early that has some potential. And, of course, the Atlanta Braves sitting as a sub-500 squad heading into the weekend. They, too, are a squad that I think offers betters the potential for some value moving forward. Any underachievers early for you? And are there teams that you still want to be betting against or teams you think that might be able to flip the switch and make better some money in the weeks and months to come? Sure, I'll try to give you kind of both looks. I mean, one on your, your Atlanta Braves, it's almost like a World Series hangover is the way I would kind of look, look at the Braves. I mean, what, under 500 here, are they going to let the Mets get out and – and run away with the division. I'm really not sure. Uh, they, they get some good home field crowds there. It's a great atmosphere, what they've been able to build in Atlanta. I think they might actually be a bet on, especially with Acuna coming back. I believe he leads the major leagues with, with about 30 um, for his streak of on base, uh, 30 straight games, all 10 since he's come back from the IL. So the Braves getting him back, I think, is going to be a big plus. Plus the fact they're getting some good pitching, you know, in terms of top-line pitching and Max, Max Freed in the bunch. So I might be looking to bet on the Braves a little bit. Um, in terms of disappointments, I mean, I feel like we have to talk the Cincinnati Reds. Um, as bad as that start was, what, 3-19, and 3-20, something like that. But they, since then, they've actually played about 500 ball. And I think their low watermark was minus 15 units on the season. And since then, they've won a couple games. It would be interesting. I talked to our friend Brian Leonard about it. And he said, you know, he, he would project the, the Reds to actually be profitable the rest of the season because so many people have written them off. And I actually brought up a, uh, a philosophy that I learned from you many years back. In the NFL, when a week one, in the week one NFL schedule, when a team gets blown out, actually circle that team and maybe actually look to bet on them in the weeks after that because the market downgrades that team because so much, so much interest is in week one. So many people are watching that that they write those teams off. Cincinnati Reds might actually be that profile. Keep in mind, last year, this Reds team was only one game from making the playoffs, so they got the talent to do it. I don't know if they can actually pull it together. So that might actually be a team to bet on in terms of uh, the Cincinnati Reds in a division where I know the Milwaukee Brewers are out to a lead here. St. Louis has a lot of offensive firepower, but neither of those two teams I would I would mark as elite. And then you got the Pirates and Cubs. Both of those two two franchises are in rebuilding mode. So it's a division where you can kind of rack up some wins. And with, with them being so under the radar, Teddy, it really wouldn't surprise me if the Reds are a profitable team the rest of the way. All right. I'm going to take the other side of that argument. Since he's minus 13 units uh, entering the weekend, and I predict at the end of the season they will be down more than 13 units. And here's why. You know, you can't trade off your most talented players right before the season starts and expect the rest of the team to be like, oh, yeah, great. Um, and that's what happened. And, of course, they played better ball this last week. You're not going to go over there. They were 1-20 over a 21-game span. You know, teams aren't going to go like that all year. But since <laughs> uh, he's not a good team and it's hard to make money with bad teams, since he's going to finish the season with 100 losses, 100 lost teams, you end up losing more than 13 units on those teams. What about the Tigers? The Tigers, to me, are an interesting story. Last year, an awful start and then played better than 500 baseball the rest of the way. This year, another 
awful start. Nine and 23. Only Cincinnati's been less profitable than Detroit. And Detroit's one of those teams where the market expectations were high. There was a lot of buy signs in the Tigers. 30 seconds for the break, Drew. Any thoughts on the Tigers? Are they bet on or bet against moving forward? No, they're they're bet against, Teddy. I mean, and their top pitching prospects are out. Casey Mize, their former first rounder, he's out. I, I don't know. It, it, it's a, I don't know that I would bet on the Tigers. Plus, going back to the division, I guess you can make the argument. There are some wins to be had with the Twins, Indians, White Sox, and Royals. None of those teams kind of come off to me as elite. So they might be able to pile up some wins, Teddy. Yeah, yeah. Guardians, uh, I, I, I'm convinced they're a bet against team. But so far, they're playing 500 baseball. More with Drew Martin after the break. Covering with Teddy Covers continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM, channel 159. Ah, SportsGrid, our radio network. And got extended time today with Drew Martin, breaking down the world of Major League Baseball. And Drew, you and I both know starting pitching is the key to the MLB betting marketplace. You look at two teams, same two teams over a three-game series. There might be minus $2 in one game, minus $150 in another, and minus $110. Pick them in the third based entirely on starting pitching because the lineups haven't changed. So when you talk about handicapping MLB, certainly starting pitching is a place to begin. And the advanced metrics hold center sway. I mean, you know, they love the strikeout, the pitchers that strike out a lot of pitchers and uh, batters and keep the ball on the ground. And they hate the pitchers who don't strike anyone out and let the ball go up in the air. And that's what the advanced metric markets are fixated on. Talk to me about starters and their valuation. Anyone stand out to you right now as being an undervalued commodity or an overvalued commodity in the starting pitching department of Major League Baseball? Uh, sure, sure. I could give you maybe one of each here. How about um, you see Kikuchi, the former Japanese pitcher? Um, if you just kind of look at, at his peripheral stats, you know, the ERAs and all that good, he's been blasted against a couple of the lineups that have seen him a bunch. But actually his velocity's ticked up, and he's getting really good movement on a lot of his pitches. He might be one, of course, there in Toronto, good lineup behind him. I wouldn't be surprised if we're actually, you know, at this point in the season, getting a little value betting when Kikuchi's on the hill. Uh, maybe a fade candidate for you. And sometimes, you know, fading guys is actually a little bit more uh, more profitable than bet on guys because, you know, a guy like Kikuchi pitching for Toronto, you're really only going to get a win or two out of them, you know, in terms of betting on them before the market really starts to turn and then you're having to pay, you know, minus 160 and minus 200 and things of that nature. And then it kind of gets a little bit out of hand. Um, so for, for kind of the fade look, how about just sticking on the same uh, the, the same roster there in terms of the starters? Jose Barrios, he's been blasted a couple times. Um, and, and when you look at his stat line, there there's not a whole lot that really jumps out the page in terms of missing bats. That's something I like to do. Instead of just looking at ERA, hey, are your pitches missing You know the opposition's bats? And I, I just don't see that as good. He's, he, he's gotten some... Uh, some starts there where he's really been blown up and another one for you and another good pitching 
um, rotation, that being the Marlins, I would put him probably top five overall. But actually, one of the things I like to do is find good pitching rotation, but find one guy in there to kind of fade, and especially with the Marlins where their offense isn't very good. And that being Trevor Rogers. One is velocity is a little bit fit down. You know, he's a lefty, so he, he might be able to, or at least he's going to hang around in the show for a while without the greatest numbers. But he's, if you know anything about Trevor Rogers, he's a guy that relies on that changeup. And sure enough, his changeup, I don't know if he's tipping his pitches, what it is, but uh, just to start a go, he threw 18 changeups, and none of them had a whiff rate, meaning they were all at least foul-tipped or hit. That is a very bad sign for a pitcher that relies on his changeup. So I would look, I would look to fade Trevor Rogers whenever he's on the hill for the fish. So, uh, in, in, in commenting, Kikuchi's a really interesting story for Toronto because you're absolutely right. He got blasted in his first uh, three of his first four starts. The markets have been heavily anti-Kikuchi in recent outings. All he's done his last two uh, starts here in May, five hits allowed. And a pair of starts while striking out 14 uh, against that potent Yankees lineup. So there may well be some value with Kikuchi. And, of course, Barreos uh, and Toronto, they made the choice to pay Barreos and uh, to let uh, Ray go. That may be a choice that somewhere down the line, if not already, the Blue Jays regret. Kind of like the Sixers who chose to pay Tobias Harris and let Jimmy Butler go. Oops. That doesn't look so good in retrospects. Let's talk about lineups. All right, give me a lineup or two that is underachieved early, primed to produce some runs and bunches moving forward, and maybe a lineup or two that is overachieved early and won't be putting up runs in bunches moving forward. Talk to me about, again, reversion to the mean in MLB, unsustainable starts. Who's too hot? Who's too cold when it comes to hitting? Sure. One thing I, I would preface this by is is I really like to wa- watch the the lineups and in rosters in terms of if a guy goes down. Sometimes I don't think the betting markets really react enough to a position player being out. Sure, if it's Mike Trout or Otani, something like that, you know they'll move five ten cents. But a lot of times with some of the more, you know, not marquee names, that's something that that I look to bet a little bit more on. Um, to give you, a, you know, just a couple. Uh, teams that maybe aren't hitting the ball lights out. Back to the Rockies, you know, I, I have them, you know, as a bet on team, and part of that is because I think their lineup is going to, just going to continue to get better as the season goes on. They're, you know, in the bottom half there, and having half of their games in Coors Field, I would look for them to finish at least in the top half, you know, in terms of weighted runs created number. Um, and then lineups that have performed well so far that might kind of fall back uh, probably the the Guardians. Um, they're one of the top lineups in MLB. I don't know if they can keep that up forever. Um, the LA Angels, a team that's going to need to stay healthy, but are they going to be the best lineup in baseball when it's all over playing in that ballpark? Not really sure about that. And also the Mariners. I don't know if they can keep up. You know what they're able to do offensively. I'll, I'll throw the, the the Brewers in there as well. I don't think the Brewers are going to be a top 10 lineup when it's all said and done. So I'd probably look to fade the, uh, the, the Brewers offensively and, and, and maybe the Guardians. Yeah, I mean, the Guardians right now, top five in MLB in OPS. And one would think they're not going to be quite that high when all said and done when this season is over. 
What about the Boston Red Sox? 6.30 OPS heading into the weekend, ranked 26th in MLB and OPS. The only teams worse than them, the Rangers, the Tigers, the Royals, and the A's, all of whom are expected to be bottom feeders. Is Boston going to turn this around, or are the Red Sox just, you know, what we see, what we get? Man, that is, it's, it's kind of a tough, tough handicap for me because I've actually lost a couple times with them. And, you know, talking about going back to the first segment we talked about, one of the things I've learned is if you lose a couple times on a team, just kind of put them on the back burner, give them yep. a little break because if you don't have a good read on them. And Boston is, is one of those teams for me, so it's kind of helped me not to bet on them. But um, in terms of just J.D. Martinez, his K rate, what, 27%, I doubt it will be that high by the time the season's over. So I would look for, for them to kind of bounce back. That Trevor Story, you would like to think, you know, he'd be a lot better than he is with over a 30% K rate. Uh, but then again, he's coming from Coors Field. Uh, you know, maybe he was just kind of elevated because of that. Jackie Bradley Jr., over 25% K rate. So they're just striking out way too much. Bobby Dahlback on that list as well with over a 30% K rate. I don't know, Teddy. I, I, I really don't. I'm not confident in my opinion, but I don't think they'll be this bad when it's all said and done. Yeah, you got to think at some point this season the Red Sox will put together some kind of a streak, maybe. <laughs> but at this moment, Boston's a one-way team for me. I'm not looking to bet on the Red Sox until they show signs that we should be betting on them. Let me ask you this. What stats do people pay too much attention to for MLB? And obviously, we talk about mainstream stats, you know, ERA or wins, losses. Those aren't stats that many bettors use at this stage of the game. But even in the advanced metric stats, are there is there stuff that stands out to you that bettors should be paying attention to that they aren't? And is there anything that stands out to you that, boy, bettors are just paying too much attention to this type of stuff? Uh, talk to me about MLB stats that is such a statistical-based handicap. That's a great question. Um, let me. I would probably say offensively, a stat that I don't think enough people pay attention to is walk percentage. I like betting on teams, you know, almost like the money ball philosophy. Um, get on base. Well, oh, so you're saying he walks a lot. I, he hits, he walks. I really don't care, you know, with Brad Pitt saying <laughs> that in that one episode. I think there's a lot to that, guys. And, and sure enough, when you look at the teams that walk a lot, it's usually good offenses. I mean, it's the Dodgers on top, you know, a 10.9% walk rate. The Padres, they have a good offense, 10.8% walk rate. And then who's number three? The Arizona Diamondbacks. Nobody would have thought that. There is a correlation between walk rates and teams that are, are, are better offensively. And sure enough, you know, obviously the Diamondbacks aren't one of the best teams in baseball, but like you talked about, they're one of the more surprising teams, and they're walking more. Then you get the Astros, the Giants, who won 100 games last season, and sure enough, the Yankees. So it, it, when you look at walk rates, it's very correlated with winning baseball games. And I don't hear a whole lot of people talking about that. In terms of overvalued um, kind of analytics, I, that, that's a real tough one because, I, I, to tell you the truth, I, I don't really, like, listen to too many people's opinions in terms of, like, the sports where I concentrate on, you know, uh, specialization, um, like, you, like you talked about, Teddy. Like I, I, like, I respect your opinion. I respect, you know, a handful of guys' opinions out there in the industry, but I'm, I'm probably not up to date with what everybody's talking about. And you said, you know, don't use ERA, which I don't. I think ERA is, is very 
overvalued and uh I guess the, I'd have to repeat the one that you said uh, maybe doesn't matter, but ERA doesn't matter. Sure. And well, one thing that – one stat that I pay attention to that I think nobody else does is the team's record when a, when a pitcher is on the mound. You know, they just – teams either get up for certain guys or the matchups work for certain guys, and you can find some mediocre pitchers whose teams have extraordinary records with them in the game and some really good pitchers who just don't win. Um, so that's one that uh, that stands out to me as something that none of the wise guys that I talk to have any interest. Oh, I don't care what the pitcher, the team's record, but the pitcher in, in, in his games. But it's one that I at least pay attention to, even if it doesn't drive my betting strategy. Drew, why don't you give betters out? Throw them a bone. Give them an opinion uh, for Saturday on the MLB slate. Anything stand out to you? Now, after the break, I'm going to talk about the Phillies and Dodgers. I'm going to talk about the total in that ball game. So, any game but Phillies and Dodgers. Who do you like on Saturday's MLB card? On the Saturday card, uh, I'd probably go with uh, maybe the Astros. Looking to be betting on the Astros, guys, in terms of uh, uh, you know ride the hot hand. That that's something I really like to do in baseball. And sure enough, the Astros one of the hottest teams, if not the hottest team in baseball. And then, hey, I'll go back to my Trevor Rogers. Fade him. He's on the hill for the Marlins, uh, going up against the Brewers. Uh, 6'10 start in South Florida. Get on that Brew Crew, guys. Uh, fade Trevor Rogers. You can get the Brewers uh, not, not, not having to pay much of a price at all. So I'll, I'll throw out the Brewers there and uh, uh, the Astros for a look as well. Take a look at the Milwaukee and Houston on today's MLB slate. And follow Drew Martin uh, with those plays. Drew, tell people how they can find you, what you have available. Uh, here's your chance to remote, my friend. Yeah, sure. Uh, on Twitter is probably the best way to get at me, guys. My name's Drew Martin, and then just the word bets at the end. So uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, Drew Martin Bets um, is the best way to get at me. Also, look for me on uh, wagertalk.com and uh, right here on SportsGrid Sunday night, uh, getting you ready for the next week. So, uh, yeah, wagertalk.com, SportsGrid, and at Drew Martin Bets. And of course, yeah, right here on the SportsGrid Radio Network. You can find Drew each and every Sunday on this very same channel. Drew, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck this weekend. We'll talk to you again in the not-too-distant future. When we come back, I'll break down Dodgers-Phillies. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers. Listen, if you missed any portion of today's show, you want to go back and check it out. If you want to re-listen to some part of today's show, download the podcast version and consume at your convenience. Again, you can find basically every show I've ever done uh, for Sports Grid available in podcast versions. Go to any podcast outlet, major podcast outlets, minor podcast outlets. There's a reason that like 125 million, <laughs> sorry, 150 million people uh, consumed uh, from the Sports Grid TV and radio networks last year. I'm telling you, if you want to check it out, again, just check out Cover It 
with Teddy Covers. Search Cover It with Teddy Covers at any podcast outlet, and you'll be able to find today's show and all the previous show's archives. You can make fun of me for previous bad predictions. I'm going to give you, uh, we've been talking MLB uh, today with Drew Martin. I'm going to give you an MLB opinion for Saturday's baseball slate. And this one's real simple in my mind. It's not even a matter of who the starting pitchers are. It's a matter of who these lineups are. And that's the Phillies and the Dodgers. At the end of the year, the Phillies and the Dodgers are going to be 1-2 in the NL and run score. These are the two best lineups in the National League. So I understand, hey, we got good pitching matchups. I understand the bullpen's, in theory, pretty solid. I understand L.A. is not one of the higher-scoring venues in all of baseball. And yet, what do we see? You know, 16 runs in the opener on Thursday. And these two lineups, again, it, for me, it comes down to can these teams score runs in bunches? And look, Philly and L.A., last year they played six times. Five unders and a push. I think it goes the other way this year. And I'm looking for the Philadelphia Phillies and the L.A. Dodgers to get up and over the total. We're looking at eight or eight and a half at most books here in Las Vegas. That's going to wrap it for Cover It with Teddy Covers this week. Well, we'll do it again tomorrow, actually. Same time, same channel. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy day to hang with me. Cover it with Teddy Covers. Sirius XM Channel 159, The Sports Grid Radio Network.